0: Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Iba. Nickel. And today on the show, we're talking about the eight things we'll never do in property investment. Now, we recently did a TikTok, or as I like to call it, a tick tick, specifically about the things we'll never do in property investment. And people said, "Can you say it again, but say it slower?" So here, <laughs> really, people thought we should talk slower. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, let's rip into it. What's number one, Andrew? So you already sound
1: like you're commentating a horse race or something like that. Well, if you'd started, it'd be make it a lot easier. <laughs> Number one for me was using my own money to pay off my mortgage. Well, first of all, the reason why that would be is because you want to pay off your own personal mortgage first, but then once you get to a point where you can pay down investment debt, how much of a return do you actually get paying down investment debt? And so we've run the return on investment calculator on this two bedroom townhouse, one on interest only, the other on P&I. Well, you're going to spend 100K extra over 15 years, and you're going to get a total of 100 142 k back, so a 42% return. Whereas you'd be much better buying two rental properties and paying interest only, and then you're going to get over a 200% return on investment on the same period. So what do I do instead? Well, generally, I only pay down debt when I sell off one rental property to pay off the others.
0: Now, having said that, of course, there are always some instances where it may make sense to go on principal and interest, but those are going to be more specific than what you've kind of come across, Andrew. The second for me is investing in small towns that have low capital growth. And I'm especially talking about those with less than 10,000 people. Now, why do I suggest that? Well, when I run the numbers, there's a trend. Small towns tend to have less consistent capital growth than some of those major cities. Now, I'm not saying that small towns don't increase in value. They absolutely do. But they tend to have more of a catch up growth rather than slow, consistent gains, which I know property investors like. Now, what's the alternative to that? often investing in main cities or the satellite towns surrounding those main centres. Because the combination of population growth, the economy growing, and all of those other factors we talk about on the podcast, that's what provides that consistent, more predictable or relatively more predictable capital growth compared to those smaller towns. And I know I've said this on the show before, but I'm just going to keep saying it until it hammers into everybody's heads.
1: My next one is fix my interest rate for five years, (coughs) because then I pay extortionate break fees. And look, let's talk about the why first, because I guess you don't know how your portfolio is going to develop over a five year period. Five years is actually quite a long time and things might change. You might need to sell a property. You might need to refinance a property. You might have a relationship bust up. Who knows? So what I do instead? Well, nowadays I only fix for a maximum of one or two years and roll that over on a regular basis. And I think part of this is because A few years ago, I ended up having a change in circumstance and a syndicate of three people, a couple of my friends that I invested with, two of them decided they wanted to exit the market and I wanted to stay. And so we ended up selling down a bunch of properties. I think that year we paid, I think it was half a million dollars in break fees. Huge. How many properties are we talking about? Quite a number. Oh, it was horrendous. And like some of it, I remember we had to break the loans and pay it and we weren't selling the properties right away, but because they were all tied in together, we didn't have much choice. And look, I know that if you were the person that got that 2.99% for five years, you're looking pretty smart right now. And I'd never, say, ne- I'd never say never because, you know, if I got a 2.99% now while interest rates are 5%, I'd probably take that again. But I think as a general rule, I probably wouldn't fix for five years. again. And that's an
0: important thing. These are general rules rather than always follow these strict commandments. Because, of course, this isn't the Bible and these These aren't the Ten Commandments. If you want those, you've got to buy our book, which is coming out shortly. It's the eight general rules rather than Ten Commandments. (laughs) Okay, so next on my list, number four is investing in apartments for capital growth because by our forecast, we usually say they'll increase in value about 1.5% less per year than an equivalent dwelling, townhouse, standalone house, those kinds of things. And actually by historic standards, it's even higher. So when I look at the average 10-year growth rate on apartments compared to other types of dwellings, in Auckland, there's over a 3% difference per year when we look at the last 30 years of data. Now, let me just put that into perspective. So if a house went up in value by 7% a year. The apartment went up by 4% a year. Big, big difference. In Wellington, it was about 1.7% difference, the margin between apartments and other types of properties. So again, apartments being slower. Now, that does not mean that A, apartments don't get any capital growth. And B, it doesn't mean that apartments are necessarily bad investments, but you really need to be aware of this. If you are investing in apartments, realise that's more of a yield asset rather than a growth asset. Now, if you're the sort of investor who needs to grow your wealth as opposed to earn a consistent cash flow from an investment property, that's where you're going to be going after those growth properties. Yeah, houses, yeah, townhouses.
1: My next one is be scared off investing in Auckland just because it's so expensive. And look, this is because I procrastinated for so many years, probably... 14, 15 years of investing, not investing in Auckland because it's from Christchurch. I was used to purchase prices being between 500000 and $600,000 or even less at some stages. The thought of spending a million dollars for the same thing in Auckland just didn't compute in my head, even though the yields were comparable and the growth rate is superior. And so I probably cost myself hundreds of thousands of dollars in potential investment because I wasn't brave enough to invest there.
0: Number six on our list is sell within the Brightline period. Andrew, how many times would you have triggered Brightline? I've never sold within Brightline. No, really? No, I never would. What about all your earthquake damaged
1: houses? Most of those ones were outside of Brightline. There was two-year Brightline, I think, of anything back then.
0: Oh, I would have thought you would have paid an extortion no, out of that. No way. Oh, you're too smart then. Well, this is true. One of the main benefits of investing in specifically assets and you know, property comes within this, is they tend to face lighter tax treatment than earned income. So you buy a house, it increases in value, you sell it outside of the bright line, you don't pay tax on that because the IRD views your income as the rental income you're getting as opposed to those capital gains. Now, if you decide to sell within the Brightline period, like maybe you bought a house a year ago, maybe two years ago, and you've seen it increase in value quite substantially, it can be very tempting to just say, I'm going to sell it, trigger Brightline, and then pay income tax on those gains, because you want to get the equity release out. But generally speaking, the better thing to do is to hold, 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 because you're going to give up to 39% of your gains away to the tax man, which just isn't very efficient if we're talking about growing your wealth over the long term.
1: Number seven was spend time managing my rental properties. Well, why? Because it's just not a good use of time. It's not worth the stress of it. I'm not the expert in property management. So, what do I do instead? Well, I use a professional property manager in all instances. I can just imagine you attempting to manage your property. Like, imagine turning. What do you mean attempting? I did it quite successfully. <laughs> not ever, t- quite successfully.
0: <laughs> well, no, just imagine trying to turn up to a viewing with Andrew Nicholl. It's a great
1: property. You'll love rental. Ticket. Oh, I probably would have I was, they would have got five minutes of you know, Right, are we doing the deal or not? Get out. <laughs> Get out, you bums. Oh, you can't say that oh. to, about your
0: tenants, no, your lovely no, tenants. If they weren't going to sign up. They're not my tenants. <laughs> okay, number eight. We'll see whether that makes it into the podcast. <laughs> number the real Andrew Nickel. <laughs> and number eight, the final one is Oh, I love this one. Feel like I have to renovate a property; otherwise, I'm not a real property investor. And I think I, I think I actually saw this on social media, Andrew. Somebody saying, "If you don't renovate properties, you're not a real property investor." And I was thinking, what a weird thing to say. Well, I know that some people in the property investment community get very passionate about their specific strategy, right? And for them, that's the right way to invest in property. And it's
1: basically like religions, right? Every particular field thinks that they're the right ones, and everyone else is wrong.
0: So look, here's the way to become a real property investor. You own a property and you rent it out. That's it. You're a real property investor, and I think it's really important that we all within the property investment community just kind of acknowledge that everybody's got different strategies, and that's cool. What's really important is to find the way that works for you and your lifestyle. Whether that is to say, hell yeah, I'm going to give up my job and renovate properties full time, or to say, do you know what? I'm just going to invest in new builds and invest in property really passively. Wherever you sit within that spectrum is totally cool. But you don't have to do one particular thing in order to become a property investor. If you own a property and rent it out, you are a property investor. And I think it's really great that you've got the gumption and are taking action to improve your financial future. So I think give yourself a pat on the back for that. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to invest in property in 2022, then your next step is to come in for a portfolio planning session. Now, I won't chew your ear off with all the details about that, but if you want to find out more and sign up for it, whip out your phone, send us a text. Our number is 5522. Text us the word PLAN. We'll give you a buzz. See if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. <laughs> and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies,
1: tactics and insights to help you get the most out of your property market. Until next time.